All right, race fans, you got Ryan Aho and the Burt Lehman. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, how about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing I'm <clears throat> doing great. I'm doing great. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, episode 55 of the One to Go show, of course, uh, you know, we can't start off without thanking one of our sponsors here, Zuli uh, Race Engines. Frank Zuli builds great, great engines. I mean, I just got done watching the Duel in the Desert, all kinds of crate stuff out there. We don't want that. We don't want no crate stuff. We want home built. We want stuff built locally. We want to support those who support us. That's your local engine builder right there. So get a hold of Frank Zuli, Zuli Race Engines. You know, hit me up. Hit us up on the show if you don't have his number. We can get that to you. He does a great job. He's built engines for champions for a long time now. Continues to do so. Great customer service. And I've talked to a lot of drivers running his stuff. Every one of them's happy. And that's really hard to find in this sport. It really is. So <clears throat> let's start out there. Uh, let's start out, Bert. I'm talking about, there was some, I mean, we're here, we're in the middle of November, almost the end of November, and we're thinking, okay, you know, what are, you talked about this last year. It's like, what are we going to do when the off-season happens? Dude, there's no off-season. There's no such thing anymore. There just ain't an off-season. You know, and it's not like there's just one or two shows a week. There's still multiple shows going on. And uh, for my buddy Keith, he always loves when I start <laughs> off with sprint cars, right? He just he just loves it. This is for you, buddy. Um Let's start off with that. And, and they actually had a big 360 show. Did you get to watch any of that footage? I watched uh, some of the highlights. Uh, there's, uh, um, yeah, I mean, there's some pretty good racing, but uh, there's also uh, quite a bit of carnage also. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of carnage everywhere this week. It was crazy. And we'll, we'll get into some of that on the show here. You kind of, and we're going to have some video footage for you to kind of catch some of it. But there was a lot of wreck shit this week. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's one wreck that I uh, saw that uh, it was, they were actually taking the checkered flag and the car uh, got clipped from behind and got sent into the wall. He climbed the, the catch fence right by the flag stand. I, I wonder... Uh, uh, what the flag man was thinking at that moment. <laughs> He's thinking, I'm glad the world didn't shut down yet and run us out of toilet paper because he probably needed some right at the end of that deal because, you know, when them things start flipping, you don't know where they're going. And that was Eric Humphreys in Heat 3 there, and he just cartwheeled. I mean, that was, you know, as, as a race car driver, I never want to see that kind of stuff. But I'll be right. honest, when I was a kid growing up, like, I used to love watching sprints and non-wing sprints because of the rollovers. And now I look back, I'm like, man, I know how much that costs. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> see that. But, you know, really, that's what makes racing great. The people, they don't want the same old, same old, same old. I mean, not that I want to see people crashing and getting hurt. I don't want to see that. But that's kind of the drop, right? It's kind of like, why do we watch freestyle motocross? Well, the, the jumps are cool, but you're kind of wondering if they're going to make it, <laughs> you know, you don't really know, you know, and that's kind of with these sprint cars. I mean, you see some tumbles out there and it's like, holy cow, it's not if they're going to roll over, it's when they're going to roll over. Right. And now uh, that was a pretty violent one. Did you, I don't know who the guy <clears throat> was, but I don't even remember what race it was, but it was the same event. Like he lost control and he like jumped over like the barrier into the infield and he like went yard sailing into the infield. Did you see that? Deal? I did not. I did not see that one. You know, as a guy that's been doing some victory lane interviews and kind of been down in the infield, here's a reminder, keep your head on a swivel because those cars, I'm telling you, you just don't know where they're going to go. And I've raced against a lot of guys that, quite frankly, they didn't, 
they spent more time crossing the track than they did on the track because they're like windshield wipers. And so you just don't know where they're going to go. But keep your head on a swivel because things can happen that fast. And uh, you got to really be paying attention. So nobody got hurt in either one of those instances. You know, the winner of that deal, J.J. Hickel, he got, I don't know, 360 guy from out there, don't know him. But a couple of the World of Outlaw guys were there. You know, Carson Macedo, both of the Catings were there. Ian Madsen was there. I think Macedo got second in that deal. So that was actually, I think that was on Flow Sport or Flow Racing. And yeah, uh, a great program. They had a big car called of 50-some 50 50 sprint cars, I think, out there. But uh, definitely some action. Now, speaking of rollovers, did you see that car up on the fence from BAPS at Pennsylvania? Did you see that deal? Um, I, I saw the aftermath. I didn't see that the actual accident take place. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't find video footage. J.R. Barry, evidently it was in time trials, and I don't know what happened. Evidently he rolled or lost control or whatever, but his car was up on top of the fence, and I'm like, what are the odds you see that in back-to-back -back years? Because that happened last year at the River City Speedway over in Grand Forks. A car ended up on top, right? You know, and I think from what I understand, the World Racing Group or whoever's in charge of the World of Outlaws made Grand Forks make some changes to their track because they thought it was unsafe. Now you see another sprint car hung up on top of a fence. So you don't see that very often. And fortunately, nobody got hurt in that one either. And let's jump on. Uh, you know, did you, see, uh, did you see any of the action or did you see, I guess, any of the results? There was another sprint car race, the USCS Battle of the Beach down at the Southern Raceway in Milton, Florida. I did not see any of that one. Yeah, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. actually doubled up on that one. So I did see, you're, you're, now that you mentioned Stenhouse Jr., I did see the highlight. I watched the highlights from that, that you, race. You did? Was it? I didn't watch any, but I just kind of caught a little bit of on Facebook. Was, was the racing good or? I mean, from what I saw, the little bit that I saw, the racing looked pretty good. And, you know, Stenhouse was going back to uh, his roots and, uh, uh, performed well. <laughs> That's a unique place, Bert. <clears throat> I actually, so Milton, Florida, for those of you that maybe don't know where that is, it's kind of right over by Pensacola. It's uh, up in the panhandle of Florida. So it really, if you're looking at a map, it's South Alabama, right? So you can, we're up north here. We'll talk a little smack. You can kind of get a grip, kind of get an understanding of what it's like down there. It's a little different. And uh, really, uh, unique group of people down there. I mean, we're talking about the deep south, right? Totally different than what we're used to up here. And the track when I was there might have been the slipperiest racetrack that I've ever been on in my entire life. I actually uh, parked in Victory Lane, I think it was 2009. I think I was down there in Mont's a long time ago, but I, I did win one. We got quite the stories about that place with me and my daughter. But uh, Ricky Stanhouse Jr. getting it done back-to-back uh, -back night, so that's pretty cool. And I think that's enough sprint cars, Bert. Sorry, Keith. <laughs> Sorry, man. But I think it's time to move on, right? I think we'll get into the late models. You know, my buddy Jeff, uh, <clears throat> he gave me a gift. I went up and visited him. He gave me a parting gift. Not <clears throat> all that excited about the parting gift I got from my buddy Jeff. We'll talk about that later. But uh, I'm kind of feeling it right now, okay? And uh, well, let's talk about the late models. There was a big show over at in Magnolia. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? The super late models or the crate late model race there? Hey, I'll let you just, I'll just let you run with it. Why don't you talk about both of them? 
All right. Well, you didn't you didn't have the crate stuff on the agenda, so I I, I was perusing uh, dirt on dirt today, and I saw this story. I mean, I didn't realize it until you know after the fact, but uh, Jeremy Shaw won the Crate Racing USA Late Model feature at Magnolia. Uh, what was uh, unique about his victory was he lapped in the fifty lap race. He lapped the entire field except for three drivers. Just and, like taking candy from a baby. <laughs> yeah, it was a 24-car field, so it's not like it was just 10 cars or something. There's 24 cars in the field. So uh, I had to get that in there just for you because I know how much you love crates. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second here. You know, I, yeah, I'm kind of coming around a little bit, but there's some things I don't like too. So, but yeah, let's let's get into the big late models there. You know, of course, TMAC won night one, the preliminary night. And uh, what happened the rest of the way out? Uh, well, uh, McCready was having another good run uh, on Saturday, the big show. I think it was 12,000 away on Saturday night, 4,000 away on Friday night. And uh, But uh, Chris Madden proved to be the driver to beat on Saturday night as he uh, went on to win on Saturday night. Um I I know the announcers were making a big deal because I'm one of the restarts. I mean, it was, I mean, the track was black from top to bottom. I mean, it was so black. You could see the reflections of the cars on the track when they were during the caution plagues, you could actually see the reflection on the track with, so, you know, it was a slick track and the announcers were making a big deal because I'm one of the restarts. Uh, McCready chose the, top side and uh, instead of the the bottom side and I mean it, it was it was pretty much a one lane track at that point and uh, but in the <laughs> interview afterwards McCready said that he could keep up with Madden for like four or five laps but then after that his car just got too tight and uh, he couldn't keep up with them because of that who was leading on that restart that was that turbo leading at the time Tyler Turbo was Turbo was up there. I can't remember if he was leading at that point or not. Yeah, I think he might have been. And I thought that was weird because, like you said, the bottom half of the track, I mean, it didn't really seem to lock, lock down until late. I mean, there was still some cars moving around on the track. I think Madden was just that good. But I don't know what the hell T-Mac was thinking. Like, I mean, the, the guy that was leading the race was kind of running middle to high. He was running up high anyway. And then he picks the top on the restart. I'm like, ah, you know, it's like, was he like gift wrapping that up and saying, Chris Madden, here you go. I'm just going to go and hand you a win here because, you know, hindsight's 2020. But, you know, as somebody that was watching the race, even the announcers and they're, they, I don't know if they're former racers or not. They're like, what is he doing? I mean, it's not like the top was good. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised. And it's not like, you know, it would have been different if the leader would have been kind of parking it on the bottom every lap. But the leader was running middle of the top, right? Mm -hmm. So why would he have taken the middle of the top when it just made no sense to me what he did? And then, yeah, Madden just drove by both of them and drove away off into the sunset. So quite the interesting deal. Now, one thing, Burton, I don't know. I didn't have this on the agenda either, by the way. Um, <laughs> I have another <laughs> thing for you. I'm guessing the answer is no, but did you watch the factory stocks? Um, no, but I think I know what you're going to talk about. I, I saw what you're going to talk about. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, and I just kind of was thumbing through it, you know, kind of watching a little bit of the features and kind of kind of fast-forwarding, so to speak, through the features, you know, kind of watching a little bit of a replay action, get towards the end of the of factory stock deal, and I'm like, holy cow, I got to back it up. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So John Johnson is leading this thing, going away. He's checked out. He's gone. And a lap car just completely dumps him in the middle of the front straightaway, rolls them both over. I'm like, really? I mean, this is another one of those instances where lap cars get the hell out of the way. It's not that complicated. Why on earth are you racing the leader? Like, what what are they doing? You know, I've been in that situation where you, you're coming through lap traffic and the lap car, they don't know where they're going to go. So it's like, we don't know where they're going to go because they don't know where they're going to go. That's why they're getting lapped, right? Just hold your line. I mean, the guy knew the leader had driven by him. The lap car was behind him and kind of hooked him into the fence. Well, that's just stupid. Like, you know, I saw I saw a thread that that uh, that Johnson's dad was commenting on there. Hey, we're just going to get it back together, and it is what it is. And like he handled it pretty well. And I'm thinking like he's lucky the guy didn't go over and beat him to death. It's like I mean, it's bad enough you get taken out by somebody, but when a lap car wrecks you and you got a big lead, you, you kind of want to go mental on somebody is what you want to do. But yeah, now, quite interesting. Was which one took the tougher role? Was it the lap car or the leader? The, the leader, the leader, the okay. lap car kind I mean, of that, that. That was a violent roll. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. He rolled hard, and they they said I kind of read a little bit on Nerd on Earth there. He said the the lap car kind of had a courtesy roll, right? <laughs> Just, yeah, I heard that also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess that's one way of putting it. But yeah, that that was quite intense there. Now more chaos, <clears throat> even more, right? This is the show of chaos, right? This is like, this show is literally all 2020. This is all chaos, right? Um, did you see Cody Overton's deal down at Livonia? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, it's never good when, uh, when there's an accident in the front row because it takes out the whole field. Yeah. They, I mean, they, I pick on, I pick on crate late models a lot. And, and I will say, that the group over in Watertown seems to be doing better than the group over in Fergus because in Fergus, they're yard sailing stuff. I mean, destroying stuff. And in this crate late model race at Livonia, they made it all the way to the end of the front straightaway before they wrecked half the field. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, they did, at least they made it past the flag stand. Drew Benfield actually, I mean, you can watch the tape here. You make the call on this. I, I mean, I give a moron of the week right? Actually, Jeff texted me that. He said, moron of the week. I'm like, no doubt about it. They're headed down the front straightaway. Overton gets the lead. And as you can see, the guy just turns sharp left, hooks his right rear, stuffs him right in the wall, and wrecks half the field. I mean, you can see the melee afterwards with this deal. I mean, it's absolutely crazy and uncalled for. Another one of those examples where, thank God, right? Because that's down in Livonia, that's Georgia, right? Is that where that is, or is it South Carolina? Somewhere down south down there. I'm not sure where Livonia is. It's, I feel like I should know that. Watched <laughs> it enough, but the fact is, they don't get snow. You see some of these guys driving on the racetrack, <laughs> and you just like you, you're thinking if they lived in northern Minnesota or Wisconsin, like they'd have to have a record service on speed dial because there's no way they'd make it to work every day. They'd be like, "Ah, oh, I'm in the ditch again. I did it. I did it again. Same spot. Yep, same spot." It's like, 
are their heads that I mean they just not non talent at all or just stupid or I just don't get it. I mean some of the stuff I mean racing deals happen, but sometimes you look at it and you're like, Really? Really? You know, and that's one of those examples right here. So that's a that's a little bit about that. Now here here's the deal. Talking about crate late models. Okay. Okay, we Overton, obviously, and Cody Overton, for those of you that don't know, or, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably know, that's Brandon Overton's brother, I believe, isn't it, Bert? I'm not positive on that, but I, I would assume so. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident on that. <clears throat> now, here's the deal. So, let's talk in a crate, talk in a crate late models, okay? Did you happen to see, see racing season's done, right, for the, for all the traveling series, and some racers actually have different hobbies, right? Some like to hunt and fish and golf and and a couple of the top stars in open late models. In fact, the winner of the Lucas Oil late model series and runner up in the world of outlaws, they actually started a farm together. Did you happen to see that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. So Jimmy Owens and uh, Ricky Weiss actually started a cherry farm down at Bulls Gap, oh. <laughs> and yeah, it was harvest season, so they were down there harvesting cherries, and uh, and uh, Ricky actually got five thousand cherries there on on night one, and Jimmy Owens got fifteen thousand cherries on night number two, <clears throat> and I mean, dirt. It was the the world. What was it called here? The Great Late Model National Championship down at Bulls Gap, and Weiss was running second on day two. I think at the fuel stop, found the broken shock, so he was done. 70-some crate late models for this deal. Five grand to win day one, 15 to grand to win day two. Well, I'm going to let you start, Bert. I'm going to let you well, start. Jimmy Owens won, but, I mean, at least he started 10th, so he had to do a little bit of racing at least to get up to the lead, where Weiss started on the front row, I believe. He set fast time, and, uh, I mean – without the broken shock well no actually uh owens did take the lead on lap 30 so he was leading when the when the fuel stop took place um but uh at least he had to race into it a little bit um <laughs> you but, know i'm gonna I mean, go with the don't he was the player he, he was the racing game. he was racing somebody he was racing for somebody i mean he wasn't even he didn't even have number 20 on the side of his car number it was number 18, 18. yeah yeah <clears throat> Do you know whose car that was? Must have been some local guy, right? Not off the top of my head, no. And, and I know Ricky, he's working out of the shop at Bulls Gap, so it just made sense for him to be there. I get it. I get it, okay? But, you know, like I said, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? I mean, that's what's going to happen. You, first of all, when you when you take, right, when you take a crate late model, let's be honest, there's a great article. You can look under the blog section on Dirt on Dirt, and it's called The Case for limiting crate purses, okay? Read that, it's a great article, they put it together. And, and I agree wholeheartedly what they say in that article, right? You know, first of all, the, the crate late model class is mostly comprised of two groups of people. It, it just is. And if you race a crate late model, there's no disrespect, but this is really what it amounts to. Number one, it's people that either can't afford or just simply understand math and don't want to spend an absorbent amount of money to hobby race in a late model class. Nothing wrong with that, okay? You know, they, they look at it and they're like, why on earth would I spend 
$50,000 to go make a thousand. Okay. They understand that. They, they don't want to spend that kind of money. They want to be in a late model, but they, they either can't or just aren't willing to spend the absorbent amount of money to be in a late model. Okay. Number two, it's, there's a lot of people in that class that even if they have the money, they, they, maybe they couldn't quite compete in that late model class or the mod class. So they drop down into the B late models. It just is what it is. You can hate me or whatever, disagree, whatever. It just, it is what it is. Okay. And, and there's well, nothing wrong with it. I would add there's probably a third group, a group of young drivers who want to get yeah. the experience yeah. racing a late model with the hopes of eventually moving up to a super late model. Very good point. Very good point. I, yep, I left that one out. You're exactly right. So a lot of people that are aspiring to move up that are maybe kind of be beginner, like the be beginner late models, okay? So one of those three groups of people, nothing wrong with that class at all. It's just a group of, you know, in a, it can be pretty competitive. Well, in order for that class to flourish, for God's sake, keep the cost down, right? I talked to DJ Tesh, and he won the championship. I don't remember what year his car is, but it's old, right? Almost all of them create late models. They live in late models in Watertown. They're like old cars, just about all of them. And they, they win races. I mean, we're talking 10, 15-year-old late models, right? So they're still winning races. <clears throat> That's all you need for a crate. You don't need to have all this top-notch, brand-new equipment and now here's what happens though. The minute they start throwing big money at it, and, the, and that article touches on, should never pay more than two, three grand to win or whatever the number was in there. I agreed wholeheartedly with that. Because the minute they start paying more, two things happen. One, the drivers look at that person, they're like, oh, we better have new tires. We better have this and we better have that. And they start spending more money. And number two, it attracts top tier drivers. The BMODs, they do the same thing in Wasoda. You know, when it started out, there was like really low pay. There was no big shows. You didn't, I mean, you, you had a ton of EMODs and you didn't have all these top mod guys coming out with $50,000 BMODs. You didn't have that. That's what's going to happen with this crate class. Sadly, keep the cost down, get rid of them pays because we don't, and I get it on the track perspective. They're like, Hey, Jimmy Owens and Ricky Weiss are going to be right. here. So that's good for them. They're like, hey, we want fans to come in, but it's wrecking the class. It's wrecking it because what, I mean, they don't give a crap. Jimmy Owens didn't give a shit if he wins 15 grand in a crate race. You think he cares? He don't care. For God's sake, look at, look at everything that guy's won. But now you take Joe Blow, that's kind of like a, an actual crate late model racer, and he wins a 15 or she wins a 15 grand to win. So it could be their biggest win of their entire life. But when it gets taken away because you get these other guys coming in and cherry picking. And again, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's going to happen. As soon as there's money on the line, if there's no national late model series racing against them, of course they're going to come. It is what it is. Why wouldn't they? <clears throat> Especially Ricky. He lives there. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Of course he's going to race. You know, and Jimmy Owens, he had a ride. He's not from far away, right? He was in Newport, Tennessee. So that's right down the road. So he's like, well, heck, I got nothing going on. Hell yeah, I'll drive your car. Why, why wouldn't they? <clears throat> but that race, winning a race like that, means so much more to somebody that's a, a regional racer than it does to somebody like that. They just simply, it, it kind of wrecks it, in, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on that, Bert? No, I, I agree. I mean, there's, there's two sides of it. Um, like you said, from a promoter standpoint, you get the big names, you know, your chances are you're going to get a larger uh, spectator 
uh, crowd, uh, which they want, obviously. Um, but the fact that some of these bigger names are racing in these events might deter some drivers from entering the event. It's like, well, you know, if it was just, if we didn't have these top name drivers racing in this event, I would go there. But what are my chances of, of winning um, if, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are going to be racing there? And as more uh, name drivers show up at these events that, you know, it could force more, well, I shouldn't say force, but deter some drivers from participating participating in the event um i mean it shouldn't because the goal should be to improve yourself as a driver and i've i always hear drivers say the only way you can improve is if you race against top competition um but these drivers that race that class weekly you know they want they want to finish at the top also <laughs> yeah you know you're right there's two ways of looking at that <clears throat> you know of course is is a it will deter some of them because your mid-pack guys are they're just typically they're not the ones that are ultra competitive right they don't have that spirit to them so they're like no this is stupid i'm not i'm gonna go race ricky weiss and race jimmy owens but your top guys that are racing in that class you know you're right some of them look at it and like you know what bring it you know some of them are feeling pretty good about themselves and they they want the challenge of racing against the top tier guy but you know i'm just going to back up what's better for the sport is it better whether or not they're racing it or not okay look if they're racing and it's a two grand to win show and they're coming down and racing it great but throwing all that money at it you know it kind of makes me think about the bmods right and and this is a word to the wise for promoters out there okay it just is what it is you can disagree with me but you're wrong, okay? I'm just telling you, <laughs> is they, the B-Mods, for example, all these promoters are like, oh, we gotta have a, that's the biggest class, so we gotta have a big special and a big pay for B-Mods because, you know, that's gonna be the best thing for the track, okay? Talk about no vision, right? Talk about like short-sighted because they're right. Short-term, short right? They're, they're looking at it, it probably will be a good show. It probably will be a profitable show. You probably will get a good car count. But long-term, what is that doing to the sport overall? See, too many people are looking at the sport on the promoter side going, how can I make a buck at this next show? And too few are looking at, how can we make racing better, right? And that, to me, that I've had, that's a tough deal. And I've struggled with that for the last couple of years because my vision is different than some of these other promoters. These other promoters are like, oh, how can we have a great show and make a ton of money and this and that and the other. But are they really thinking well, about what's better for the future of the sport? See, I wanna see, and I'm, I'm thinking you do too, is I wanna see regular nights with big car phones. I wanna see regular nights with full grandstands. That's not gonna happen by driving the cost up. It's not gonna. And in a special every single weekend, is not going to be better for the sport long-term. It's just not. And, and I, it just drives me nuts. Well, yeah, and it seems like more and more tracks are, are their weekly show is, is a secondary thought. You know, their thought is we got to have this big special. We got to have this special this week and this special this month. And they, I mean, just as an example, I mean, Cedar Lake used to be known as 
they would get weekly late model car counts of high 20s, low 30s. And now late models don't even race their weekly. They have their big late model specials throughout the year and they scatter them in weekly here and there, but they don't race every week there like they used to. Yeah, and, and what happens there is if you don't build a regular fan base each week, all, all the specials are doing, and, and this is just the way it is, every special, all they're trying to do is hijack fans from all the other area tracks because they're not building a fan base. They're not trying to get more local fans, local involvement. They're like, hey, we got a special, and they're advertising it. <clears throat> then they're calling all these other tracks saying, well, we're having a special. You should take this weekend off. Right, so all they're trying to do is steal fans from all these other tracks instead of trying to build a fan base. See, the special event mentality is killing racing, period. See, as a racer, I would have loved to race for bigger money every single week, but looking back at it, I think I was pretty darn fortunate to race against, in, when I was in my heyday in the Superstocks, I ran against 35 mid, two B mains and Superstocks just about every single night. That was fun. See, racing a so-called special for more money against 15 cars, that's not fun, okay? Nothing against the guys that are winning all these races now. You know, it is what it is. They're, they can only do what they can, right? It's not their job to get more cars with their job to go and win, but it's different. You know, you talk about Cedar Lake. I used to go down to Cedar Lake, Bert, and there used to be, I don't know, on, on opening night, you'd see 60 super stocks for regular pay, $300 to win, 60 super stocks, right? That was just a normal thing. Well, now you see all these specials and all that, and it's like the car counts are just down. I, I loved race, and I think the competitive side of racers, they want to win against more cars. They want to, I mean, a win is a win is a win, but there's something special to be said about winning and having to earn your way into the show, right? And Oh, yeah, well, I, I agree. I mean, Back in the early 90s, Shano Speedway, for several years, they had the highest weekly average car count for IMCA Modifieds. There were, I mean, every week there, there were like 50 mods and there's two or three Bs. And just to qualify for the feature was an accomplishment where now, you know, you get 20, 22. I mean, you're in the show as soon as you sign in, which is great for the drivers, but I mean, from a fan standpoint, you know, it takes that, it takes a little bit something away because you don't necessarily have the um, competition to get into the show and that sort of thing. And I, I know this top, we've kind of veered off on the topic a little bit, uh, but I think also people don't, I shouldn't say people, drivers don't necessarily care about uh, track championships anymore and that hurts the uh, from the fans perspective you know the having that weekly draw of seeing drivers compete against each other for the track championship I mean back in the 80s I can remember at Shano Speedway I mean there were only two divisions so I mean you raced in one of the two divisions and there are some pretty good battles you didn't have all these specials at other tracks that drivers would go race at instead of racing at their weekly track and when drivers race at other tracks besides their weekly track you know I know fans will say oh and especially now with social media because drivers will post where they're going to be racing so it's like oh so and so is not going to be there I can skip this week I don't need to go this week <laughs> yeah you know you're exactly right 
but I wouldn't say the drivers don't care about track championships. I mean, maybe some of the top drivers, uh, the people that have done it before, but they're still, I mean, especially the young guys, young guys and gals, you see them win their first championship or, I mean, it, it's pretty special to some people. And I think, there, like you said, I think there needs to be more of an emphasis because having, I think they need to get back to making local weekly racing a big thing again. I think because that'll, that'll create, that creates your personal fan base. See, if, if you're racing the same track, you know, same couple tracks or one track every week, you're building your fan base, right? And then when specials happen, some of those people will follow you to other tracks. But when you have driver A and they don't even have a home track anymore, they're going here, there, there, right. there, there. Now they don't even have – their fan base is totally different. They're, there's just not that loyalty anymore. <clears throat> I remember back when I raced, you know, a lot back in, you know, the, especially in the early 2000s, you know, there was a lot of us that had a big fan base, and we would travel, and, like, our fans would travel with us, and that just simply doesn't happen anymore. So I think that, uh, you know, they – Literally, I mean, mark my words, you can literally look at the schedule from January 1st to December 31st, and there is basically a special somewhere every single weekend. Oh, yeah. And But the fact is, they're just not that special. I, I looked at some <laughs> of the lay model stuff on Dirt on Dirt, and, you know, they got, I mean, there's some of them that don't even have a full field of cards. This is their special, and, and Wasota's the same thing, but you're looking at less than 24 cars starting the feature in the late models some of them for five grand to win or better and i'm like really i mean that's not that's not exciting too too predictable is what it is and that's why that's why racing right now is struggling a little bit because the low car counts create massive massive predictability because you can literally look at it and go well this one's over right but if you have a pile of cars now there's going to be, you just don't know what's going to happen sometimes. So speaking of a pile of cars, and you mentioned the IMCA mods, you know, we got way off onto a tangent there, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, the biggest event of the weekend by far, by far was the 23rd annual Duel in the <laughs> Desert out in Las Vegas. IMCA mods, sport mods, and this year they brought back, uh, 10 years later, they brought back the IMCA stock cars. Roughly 480 cars, unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start off. What I know you watched some of that, so I'm gonna yeah, let you kind of recap that. I didn't see any of the pre uh, preliminary actions during the week, but I did watch most of the heat races on Saturday, and I watched uh, the stock car feature and the mod feature. I only saw the first part of the sport mod feature because it was I don't know. It was like 12.30, and it was just a wreck fest, and I went to bed. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, there were, I counted uh, six drivers from eastern Wisconsin who made the trip down there. So, I mean, it was good to see. Um, and all of them made at least one feature during the preliminary night, so that was good. Um, I know uh, Jeff Schmuel, he races a sport mod. Uh, I was following him on Facebook and because he was giving updates on his Facebook page and a couple of, of the nights he was unfortunate to draw early heats and I guess that the, they really watered it and the track was slimy and there wasn't a lot of passing in some of the early heats. Um, so uh, he kind of uh, was uh, that hindered his uh, 
his uh, progress in trying to make the feature on on Saturday night. But uh, the only driver who did make a feature on Saturday night was Jeremy Christians uh, in the stock car division. Uh, but he took a provisional and he got that provisional because he had the best point uh, uh, best point total in a two two day special at Shano Speedway at the end of July, and he got a provisional uh, for that. So. Uh, uh, it was good to see him race in it, uh, but I mean, we've talked about this driver uh, a lot throughout the year, and um, hopefully his move to full-time late model racing isn't going to um, uh, take all of his modified starts away from him, but uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. is just, he's, he's just having an unbelievable year, both in a modified and a late model this year. His first ever Duel at the Desert win was surprised me, right? You know, I think his best finish leading into that was a third, but also he made history again because he's the first driver to ever win both the Boone Super Nationals and the Duel in the Desert in the same year. You know, so $10,000 payday to RTJ. Okay, I'm an RTJ fan, I am. And, and he, like, Fuka should like him more because, like, I love Fuka to death, but, like, seriously... <laughs> this shit annoys me, right? This is like, are you serious? Puka, you're 40 years old, all right? You don't need to try to oppress your kids. I'm like, I, I love you, man, but no. Like, seriously, <laughs> I'm going to stop in Rapids when I'm over this crap that I got going on, and I'm going to curve all your hats for you because I, I just can't I can't handle this. So then I, then I see RTJ on there, and you see him, and he's kind of that flat-billed guy. It's like, Really? Really? And I guess it is what it is. It's that young generation. But that, <laughs> that dude can flat out wheel a race car. He is, you know, we're talking about driver of the year candidates, right? You know, and, and if you're just leaning, this is tough, right? You look at driver of the year candidates on dirt. Well, who do you get? I mean, you got Kyle Larson's in the conversation, obviously. Brandon Shepard's in the conversation. Overton's in the conversation. How is RTJ not in the conversation? The guy's about dominated modified racing, and he, he made his presence no one in late models. So, you know, you start kind of putting that whole deal together, the sprint car guys, you're going to have Keith, and you're going to have Jeff in an all-out brawl because they're going to be going, well, no, it's got to be a late model guy. It's got to be a sprint car guy. Let's face it, what Kyle Larson did was special. It really was. Brandon Shepard, he had a great year. He jumps into a modified basically had a test weekend, goes out, and then he sweeps both nights of the USMPS mods, really, on, on their finale. So that's impressive. And then you got RTJ, who dominates the IMCA mod scene. He jumps into a late model, and he's got he's got both a Lucas and a World of Outlaw win in 2020, correct? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there, I mean there's some – we got to watch a lot more racing online this year, Bert, than ever before, and it was pretty cool. I felt pretty fortunate to be able to do that. Um, another thing that stuck out to me, other than him, was the sport mods. You know, there was some of the, the stock car racing reminded me a lot of uh, the street stock racing. That Stephanie Street Stock Tour was really good in the Wasota country. There was some really good racing in the stock cars there. But one thing that stuck out to me in the sport mod, Austin Becerra, I believe he's from Illinois. He went out night one. and I don't remember. I'd have to look back. It seems like forever ago because there was so much racing out there. But I think he was leading – um, one of the qualifiers. I think he was either leading or he was running right up front and boom, he explodes a motor. And they didn't, they didn't give up. They didn't say, you know what? Now nah, we blew a motor. We're done. Now 
And it seems like far too many people do that these days. Instead, they stayed up all night, they got some help, they put a new engine in the car, and they went out, they won the whole damn thing, right? Come, now, now one step further than that, so that's overcoming adversity. That's what a champion's all about, right? You, you have adversity, you overcome it, and then you come to play the next day. And that's what he did. So hats off to him. But, dude, he also built his own car. It's a home-built car. I mean, it's, they built it in the winter in his own shop. That's what the sport mod slash B mod slash X mod slash limited mod, whatever you want to call it, that's what that is all about. You do not need a $40,000 B mod to win, all right? He had the biggest stage of the year, the the well, not the biggest. I guess Boone would be the biggest. This would be the second biggest. But we're out at the Duel of the Desert. <coughs> we're talking the best of the best and IMCA B mods all around the country, sport mods, whatever you want to call them. And he took a home-built chassis and parked that baby in Victory Lane. That, my friends, is freaking awesome. I, I think that is like the coolest thing ever because he, he just knocked down all these high-priced, overpriced B mods by building a car himself and getting it done. So hats off. Austin Becerra getting her done at the Duel in the Desert. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to comment on, too, was, uh, I mean, we were kind of messaging each other back and forth during the features. And, uh, you know, it, especially in the mod feature and the stock car feature, I'm not sure what it was like in the sport mod feature, but it was uh, you live by the cushion, you die by the cushion. And because uh, there were some drivers that were pounding that cushion and they were really advancing, but then they make one slight misjudgment and then, you know, they, they lose quite a bit of ground. I mean, Jeremy Payne, who qualified through qualified for the feature through through the heat race on Saturday night, had to start in the back and he was up in the top 10, I believe, but he was he was pounding the cushion and <laughs> um I, I believe they said he had the most feature wins of any driver that's six, raced maybe? in that event. Yeah, I think he had six coming in. You know who else looked good? Um, he didn't win. He didn't finish in the top five, but he's pretty darn fast all week. The voodoo child, Scott Bloomquist, was out there in the Devil Bliss car, or De Devil Bliss, or Devil Bliss, or however you say that, yeah, Zane, yeah. Zane Devil Bliss. But, and he actually, that Zane Devil Bliss, won the stock car portion. Right. <clears throat> but Bloomquist... Well, you got screwed night one. They One thing I was impressed with, they don't mess around out there. I, I mean, I'm telling you, like, people will be spun out and turn one and two, and the field will go by, and they're not, like, we ain't throwing no yellow. Like, we're going to, like, let them come back around, and if it looks like they're going to get hit, then we'll throw the yellow. But, like, they're like, get your butt moving. And I was impressed with that because it's like, bam, bam, bam. I mean, that that program, Bert, they, they were on the ball. I mean, there was – there was no untimely yellows. Like, oh, guys spun out. Oh, we might, oh we're going to throw the yellow anyway. 700 parade laps. That didn't happen. It was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Well, Bloomquist fell victim to that. Uh, night number one in his heat race, he started 10th in the heat. Of course, he couldn't draw any worse than that. They literally on lap one, one of the guys in front of him, I don't know if he spun out, pushed, I don't remember exactly what happened. <clears throat> but they got all crossed up. And Bloomquist all but spun out. To avoid this whole deal no yellow no yellow in fact there wasn't a yellow the whole race so not only did he have to regain it they're like a half a track ahead he puts that deal in the high gear he gets he gets back on the pump not only did he chase everybody down he drove all the way back up to third putting them uh, right on the front row of the b main he made it into the show and he kind of didn't i don't think he did all that great the first night but he was he was actually pretty darn impressive he was pretty fun to watch he just 
he never really had a great starting position really in any of the races but he went forward in pretty much all of them and was he the class of the field no but he is pretty darn competitive so kind of fun to see uh scott lucas running pretty good in the zero right yeah i agree with you and that, by the way they are going to make a die cast of that car i do have one ordered already but uh <laughs> do you have one, eh? no you're not going to um, resell it for like a thousand bucks no, right? no i'm not going to resell it um but uh I, I want to comment on the swiftness of the program also. I mean, I tuned in Saturday night and it was before the modified heat races. And I don't know, I don't know what time it was, but then I saw the upcoming races and there were twi 12 modified heat races and then last chance qualifiers and then the features are, this isn't going to, you know, because they're on a different time zone than what we are. It's like, it's going to be, three o'clock in the morning before this is over you know i had visions of alabama in my head yet and uh but yeah i mean they went through a quick and like i said i went to bed probably five laps into the the sport mod feature which was the last feature uh but it was i don't know i think it was like 12 30 or so so i mean for that amount of racing that wasn't too bad no they they i was pretty impressed i mean and, you know, the minimal track prep, I mean, it locked down towards the end a couple nights, but, I mean, it was pretty good racing throughout. And, you know, uh, hats off to them guys. I mean, they couldn't have fans, but they had a ton of cars, ton of people. There sounds like it was a, a, a huge success, and we'll talk a little bit later about uh, a couple I, of big notes. You want to make one other comment. Um, as the modified feature was rolling out, I was kind of keeping track in my head how many drivers I've interviewed from that. From the starting lineup from the modified feature, I probably interviewed around 10 to 12 of those drivers um, uh, with the vast majority of those interviews taking place uh, at the Clash at the Creek every year. So uh, a lot of those drivers from California, Arizona, you know, they travel to Wisconsin and race uh, in the IMCA show at the Clash at the, Tree at the Creek each year. Like, uh, Taylor Cool, who races a sport mod, you know, she was a, she raced in Wisconsin this last summer and I interviewed her. She's uh, only like 19 or 20, isn't she? Yeah. Just young? Yeah, Where's she's she, young. Her she made the feature all, she made all three preliminary features and the A main. She got caught up in some kind of a melee on the, on the final night, but she, she ran pretty good out there. Yeah. Her older brother is Austin Cool, who races a modified, uh, so Austin, that's how I originally got to know them was I interviewed Austin Cool for a, a Dirt um, Modified magazine article. And I found <laughs> out actually that their dad is originally from the Sheboygan area in Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool deal. And, you know, it's pretty cool that you got to interview some of them folks. I might have to make it to the Clash on the Creek in the Creek, uh, Clash in the Creek. Can't even talk <laughs> next year because, uh, you know, I've heard a lot about it, and obviously there's some really good cars. Grabowski and Phillips are usually up there. Hopefully they don't play musical chairs with the lineup deal and all that, but um, <laughs> definitely some good cars. So, you know, there's still a bunch of racing to look forward to. You know, this week here, I'm looking at my at my list, and, you know, there might be more than this, but I literally have, like, five things written down, you know, starting with the Fall Nationals, right? 
That's a, that's Ray Cook's deal down there. Um, night four of six is going to be Saturday at, at the Sonoya Speedway. That's on Flow Racing. They were going to run another one, but that one got pushed back. Tri, uh, was it Tri-County? That got pushed back a week. Um, Michael Page, of course, he won night three last week at Boyd. So late model fans right there, that's going to be on Flow. So check that out. Um, the next one here, the Turkey Bowl, the 14th annual Turkey Bowl. Uh, did, you, did you see anything about that coming up there, Bert? Um, just that it's a uh, 4,000 a win for late models, uh, at, um, uh, and it's going to be on Springfield Raceway TV or dot yeah. TV. <laughs> yep. Spring, yep. Spring, Springfield Raceway dot TV. So Springfield, Missouri. Now the blue gray 100. Okay. This is kind of a unique event. This one down at Cherokee. And, uh, this one is going to be on dirt vision. Okay. So, so all you folks that have dirt vision out there, you're going, oh man, there's no more world of outlaw stuff going on. There's still races on Dirt Vision. They're, they give you a little treat here. Um, this is actually going to be the season finale for the Carolina Clash. Um, Dennis Franklin is leading the points coming into the finale, and it's night one of the Extreme uh, Dirt Car Series. I don't know if that's sponsored, again, by uh, the same folks it was last year. I don't want to say that. I don't know for sure if it is. <laughs> but last year, uh, Madden won that deal in 2019. Now, that's going to be – Sunday, and this is kind of one of them deals where it's unique to me because they seem to have a lot of their specials on Sundays, which to me is weird. I just doesn't. I mean, up in our area, you know, Friday and Saturday is the best day for racing down there. They have a lot of Sunday stuff, but that's on Dirt Vision there, so we'll be catching that action as well. Now, RTJ fans, Bert, where can they catch the RTJ? Where can RTJ's fans catch them this weekend? At Central Arizona Speedway, uh, you know, they were racing in uh, Las Vegas last weekend, and now they're going to be in, uh, in Arizona this coming weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so we'll see if he can win another feature. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go uh, over and under. I'm going to pick, I'm going to guess three. I'm going to go, I'm going to pick him <laughs> to win all three. Um, that's, of course, on Flow Racing as well. That's the Desert Thunder Nationals in Casa Grande. I've actually been there. Um, never raced there, but I've been there. I uh, went down there when I was down visiting my sister, went there with my parents. So that was pretty, pretty neat track there. I actually remember um, Johnny and Stormy Scott were just unbelievably fast then. And uh, they that's before anybody knew really who, who they were. They were just some local guys down there that were running really good. So RTJ fans, check out Floor Racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now, Friday and Saturday, we're going to be making a trip you know, we're not, and we're going to be watching it online, <laughs> but, but uh, there's going to be some big stuff happening back over in Florida, the Rudiman Memorial. See, Buzz Rudiman put this deal together, or I think, yeah, I think Buzzy did. I think that's who put it together. Um, the headliner for this deal, <clears throat> this is Friday and Saturday on Dirt Vision, and the headliner is UMP Mods, and uh, they have multiple other classes. They got Florida late models, they got crate late models, they got some other things, but, uh, I'm expecting to see, I have no, the only person that I have confirmation because it said on his Facebook page, sounds like Kenny Wallace is making the trip out there, but I'm assuming, I'm just, I'm assuming that you're going to see Kyle Strickler, Nick Hoffman. Um, I would not be surprised to see them guys there. Of course, uh, David Rudeman probably be in a car, probably Stremi will be there. So you're going to see some, you know, top talented UMP modifieds. Um, of course, this is kind of the end of the year deal leading into speed weeks at the beginning of the year. But uh, that's uh, cubic money at that big half mile down at Volusia on Dirt Vision. So lots of racing to be had. 
you know, in particular, out of them races, is there anything that sticks out to you, Bert, that you're kind of looking forward to? Uh, well, I'm looking forward to see if uh, Thornton Jr. can win another race. And uh, I don't see UMP Mods race too often, so uh, um, I may have to check that out. I know yeah. you're a mod guy, so I'm sure you'll be watching that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to catch. And the nice thing about these, we can always, if I can't catch them live, we'll catch a replay. I don't know which one I'm looking forward to more. Um, I would say probably um, probably the Rudiman Memorial. Um, I've raced at Volusia. That place is wicked fast. I mean, it's fun. I got, you know, friends of mine still go down there about every year. Bob and Johnny Broking, they make the trip down, and they've had some rough last couple of years with engines. That place swallows up engines. Number one, you better bring a lot of horsepower, and you better bring something that lasts. Because um, I was down there one night, and it seemed like there was like 12 guys blew up in one night. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, because you're on the pump all the way around that thing. So, I expect to see some good racing there. And, uh, Bert, that, that's going to lead us into the last lap here. You know, uh, speaking of the um, duel in the desert, well, I heard a little rumor here about 2021. What do you got? Well, it was announced uh, over the week that uh, super late models are going to be racing at the duel at the desert next year. Um, now, my understanding is that they're still going to have the other three divisions. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I understand. I think they're just going to kind of restructure the format. I don't, I don't think they're going to run like full four classes of cars every night. I think they realize that that's just not possible. So they're going to do a little restructuring of that. Okay, that, that makes sense. I mean, when I first heard the announcement, I was thinking, oh, they're going to add another class, especially late models with the big tires that the track is going to be, you know, it, it could rubber up very easily. Uh, but so hopefully they're keeping that in mind and they do uh, um, stagger nights or, you know, whatever they have to do to make it work. Yeah. It, and I haven't a lot of details yet to come out. You know, I've heard rumors as much as 50 grand to win. Um, I heard, <clears throat> I heard rumors that they're going to work on. I heard Troy Powers is somewhat involved with that deal, uh, helping with the rules package. Um, it sounds like they're going to try to, have some kind of a rules package that allows open lates and, and kind of like all the different late models to come together. Um, I don't want to say like a Dirt King's rules because it's not Dirt King's rules, but that same theory, right, to where you have all the different packages, that's my understanding. I don't think it's going to be a full-out open late model deal. I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be more of a hybrid to where you can get people from different areas to come. So watch for details to come for that. Now, talking about modified stuff, did you see uh, online USMTS posted um, leading into 2021 enhanced, <coughs> enhanced purse, a minimum of 5,000 a win for USMTS shows, um, lots of 10,000 a win, several 5,000 a win, but it sounds like nothing below that good or bad what's your thoughts well i mean we had this discussion a few shows ago when uh, world of outlaws announced that their uh, minimum to start was going to be increasing uh for the drivers it's great uh for the promoters uh not necessarily great um it's going to cost more money uh to host one of the i mean I, i'm assuming with the with the per with that guarantee increase uh, it's going to cost more to uh, host one of these races, and um, I wouldn't 
bet on seeing any USMTS modified shows in Eastern Wisconsin anytime soon. Um, I, over the last uh, probably eight years or so, uh, US, they've tried to do a swing up through Northeast Wisconsin on two separate occasions where they were racing like, you know, at four different tracks in five days or something like that. Uh, but from what I heard was that, uh, you know, they the attendance was really bad. Um, and if it's going to cost more to host one of these races, I don't see any track in, in the part of the state where I live trying to host one anytime soon. Yeah, I think the same goes for Minnesota. I just, I just don't see it. Now, I got a couple things on this, really. And, and the first thing is they're, they're trying to save the series. Let's be honest. I mean, there's not many people that follow the USMPF series anymore. I mean, I, I have to look, but there's definitely, in my, I think there's less than 10 that followed the whole series. And I think it's quite a bit less than 10. Okay. So that's number one. They're, they're trying to enhance the purse to get more people following. I did hear that Will Krupp, I heard that there's a couple guys from the UMP deal that might follow that this year. Now that they're throwing some money at it, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. Okay, the other thing is this, and, and Todd Staley, if you're listening, if, if you're not, if somebody is, pass this along to Todd. This is just my opinion, okay? The USMPS is a traveling series for modifieds. I mean, it's basically up the heartland, right? It's, it's the central part of the country for the most part. Been a great series for a lot of years. From what I understand, USRA has been the weekly series, basically the USMTS weekly series, USRA, right? Now, same rules package, basically all the same stuff, but that's kind of the weekly racing. That's the weekly tracks. USRA weekly racing, USMTS traveling series. My opinion of this deal is there's far too many specials in USRA, right? So if you want USRA to be weekly racing, keep it weekly racing, and make your specials USMTS. Because why on earth would USRA guys follow the USMTS series if they can race locally and they can have a special all the time for USRA? Why would they follow USMTS? It makes no sense, right? So I think that there's been too much of a crossover there to where USRA has gotten way too many specials going on all year long. And now USMTS is going, well, what's so special about this? I mean, it's basically the same cars. You look at the USRA big specials, it's the USMTS guys that are at them. So get rid of, make the USRA deal more in tune with weekly racing. Get, you know, whatever, have your thousand win purses and big point fund for the tracks and all that. And keep the specials USMTS. And I think you're going to have more followers. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, that goes back to our conversation earlier in the show. Too many specials and too many this and too many that. And, you know, everybody, it seems like everybody's trying to outdo the other. <laughs> yeah, I think you're exact. That never happens. Not racing. Never, <laughs> never. Now, a little news. Uh, um, Flow inked a deal. Um, talk about that. Ten-year deal for Flow. Yeah, I mean, uh, they signed uh, with, uh, to, uh, I, I want to say televised, but it's not, to stream. Stream is the correct there word. There you go. There you go. Stream the Tulsa shootout and the Chili Bowl. I mean, obviously, the Chili Bowl is uh, one of the uh, crown jewels in that type of racing, and that's held every uh, January. 
and I know it was always the final night was always televised on Mav TV. I would always watch it on Mav, you know, the feature on Mav TV. Uh, but uh, Flow Flow Racing is now going to have the streaming rights for the Chili Bowl and the Tulsa Shootout. And uh, was it the Tulsa Shootout where they had like 500 cars and that Puka was just itching to go to? It, it was. <laughs> it was. So, buddy, uh, you can watch that on Flow now. You don't have to be there. Um, I know that you watch the whole thing start to finish. Don't take any breaks, right? <laughs> don't be fast forwarding. Watch the whole thing. And uh, so that's pretty cool. Now, so our buddy Jeff, the late model expert, um, he has a prediction. Okay. He said, Flow's out there. They're swallowing up a bunch of stuff. Now, in my opinion, Flow, they're not, they're still not Dirt Race Central. Dirt Race Central, that's, that's my favorite because that's all of our local stuff around here. And he does a good job and gives back to the tracks. But with that said, Flow seems to swallow up a lot of stuff. And Lucas Oil kind of dropped the ball a lot, a lot last year. They didn't have every race. They had a lot of technical difficulties. He's predicting, okay, that is there a possibility that Flow could take over the Lucas Oil deal and maybe you'll see all the Lucas stuff on Flow? What's your thoughts? That's just a prediction from Jeff. Well, I mean, obviously it's possible. I mean, it does seem like – I mean, Flow is definitely – uh, looking for content. I mean, because obviously we all know in, in this world that we live in, content is king. And if you're going to have a racing streaming surf service, you have to have the top event. I mean, you have to have some some big events that will draw, that will make people subscribe to your service. Um, you know, the problem I have right now, I mean, like you said earlier in the show is, you know, you, myself, we've watched more racing online this year than ever before. I mean, I never watched races online before, uh, but with the whole COVID thing in the spring, you know, that was the only way that we were seeing races for a while. Um, but my issue is if you, it, it costs so much to get all the different options, all the different streaming services that are out there. I mean, like, you know, Lucas TV, and then you have Flow, you know, you have all these different streamings. Oh, yeah, you know, sure, they're only X amount per month, but when you have 10 of them, <laughs> that adds up every month. <laughs> so um, it would be nice to see some, some contraction where it's on less, less number of services than what they are right now. Um, but... I mean, like you said, I mean, in years past, we wouldn't be watching racing at this time of the year. <laughs> oh, no, it's, so, it's so, so don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not complaining about the streaming services. You know, I, I'm happy that they're out there. And if there has to be that as many as there are right now, you know, so be it. Uh, absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, speaking of, uh, speaking of, streaming i think streaming is kind of killing nascar because everybody would rather watch dirt racing than nascar a little bit more nascar news this week and i'll kind of touch on this so truck series driver john i don't know how to say his name is it ryumi maybe or something like that I, yeah, or josh, josh is his name josh <laughs> ryumi i'm thinking so apparently this dude okay he's a truck driver apparently he was having a toaster strudel in the morning right just he woke up, said, you know what, I'm hungry, I'm going to throw in a toaster strudel, 
I'm just going to go ahead and start my day off right because they're good. And he took the glazing and he drew on there and he took a picture of it, threw it on Snapchat and said, here's how I'm starting my day. Well, whether he did it on purpose or didn't, I don't know. But apparently whatever he drew on there looked like a swastika. It got on Snapchat, it gets back to NASCAR, and he is now suspended indefinitely from NASCAR for apparently, and I don't know all the details here, I don't know if it's true, not true, whatever, but apparently he drew a swastika on a toaster strudel and is now kicked out of NASCAR. Bert, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I read the story, and I mean, his excuse that he used it didn't make sense to me. I mean, he tried to make it sound like he just put put the frosting on the strudel and that's just the way it showed up. And I don't know, he was rushing his daughter to school or something. Um, I mean, it, it's just, I mean, if he did it intentionally, it, it's just absolutely stupid. I mean, it, it's uncalled for, there's, there's no place for that. But my rant is, too many people are. Bird's got a rent. All right, I'm, I'm ready. Too many, too many people are posting crap on social media that doesn't need to be posted. I don't care if you're having a strudel in the morning. People who take pictures of their meal at a restaurant before they eat and post it on Facebook, we don't care what you're having. I mean. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been guilty of some of this, you know, posting, you know, pictures of, you know, this is what I'm doing right now and that sort of thing. Um, I have cut back on that because my mentality is nobody cares. It doesn't, I don't have to be out there saying, look at me, look at me. And because a lot of times when you say, look at me, that's how you get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly. So, yeah, I, you know, again, I mean, put it this way. When I get up in the morning, it takes me two hours to wake up. So if I kind of drizzle something on a toaster strudel, there's not a lot of thought going into it. So, you know, I'm kind of looking at it going, man, I, I hope he just was whatever, just whatever. I, I, I really don't think there was any motive to it. I mean, but that's where I'm so sick of NASCAR. I really am. I mean, I'm so sick of their political bullshit. I mean, it's literally like I'm sick of it. I can't, I can't even handle it. And like I talked about on the last show, World Racing Group's not too far behind. There's way too much, like, you got to, like, stay within the box, stay within the lines. That's not dirt racing. That's not racing in general. Right? We're so far outside the box. Hell, NASCAR started with freaking moonshiners, for God's sakes, and now they – like, oh, you got to be on the straight and narrow. Yeah, here, here's a straight and narrow right there. All right. That's my thoughts to what I think about NASCAR, a bunch of crap. All right. So if he did it on purpose, great. Boot him out. You don't need to be an idiot. But I'm sick of NASCAR. Like, I, I don't know that I'll ever watch another NASCAR race. It's boring anyway. Hell, <clears throat> there were several races. Jeff pointed this out. They dropped it down to 40 this year in, in the top series. And there was races this year they couldn't even get back. You know, they're at 38 cars, 39. They couldn't even get 40. So NASCAR is dying. It is what it is. Well, taking over. I it, mean, since we're talking about NASCAR and we're ripping them, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, well, I've had a problem with NASCAR since they switched the championship to the chase for the championship. I mean, this year you had 
Kevin Harvick won nine races this year, most of any driver, and he wasn't in the final four, the final race of the season. So he had no chance to win the championship <laughs> entering the final race. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous is what that comes down to. <clears throat> you know, and it's confusing. You know, we'll talk about this, I think, maybe on the next show. You can put this down in your notes. But we'll talk about what are some of the things that makes racing confusing. And uh, that's one of them. That point chase, that chase deal, confusing. The average person can't follow it. They don't know what the hell's going on, right? So they just got to get back to simplify. Let's go and race, you know, and, and just keep it simple. And they're just way too many rules and this, that, and the other. And we'll get off NASCAR. <coughs> that, 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 that annoys me. Now, I got something from Pete. I got to give, give Pete a shout out. Um, talking about colorful personalities, things on Facebook. Oh, you must have got a phone call there. Bert stepped away for just a second. But uh, oh, I'm on so, low battery mode. So oh, there you go. We're so we're done. just about done. We're just about done. <laughs> so Rico, you we all know we all know and love Rico. Rico Breo in the in the sprint car world. He actually posted on Facebook. I, I believe it was a picture of his daily cruiser, hot Carl sticker on the back. Says always have a Always have the sticker to your chassis builder on your car. So shout out to Hot Carl. One of the best things that's happened in racing this year, 2020, is Hot Carl exploding. And uh, I think we all enjoy watching him, <laughs> listening to him. And I mean, he's got a fan base all around the country now. So pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I know the guy personally, so I just I want to give him a shout out. Proud of him. He's done a great job, and hopefully he keeps it up moving into next year. Did, last, did you ever? Did you ever find out if he's racing a crate next year? I, I have not. I have not. I, <laughs> I, I think that I think he's going to play that along till the last minute. So we'll all find out with one of his Facebook live videos, I'm sure. So let's end it with this. Um, I got a picture. Actually, you sent it to me. Why don't you touch on uh, a little action in the Rusty Wallace driving experience? So what do you? What happened there? Yeah, I just saw on Facebook somebody posted some photos, and uh, I don't know what track it was at, but uh, the person who was doing the driving must have got a little excited or a little scared. I'm not quite sure which, but drove through the bathroom wall at, at the racetrack. <laughs> that right there, my friend, is making NASCAR shitty, taking that to a whole new level, right? <laughs> I mean, actually, I did do a, a Rusty Wallace NASCAR experience once at the Milwaukee Mile. I didn't drive. I was just a passenger. I mean, it, it, it was cool. Right. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure if he got, if he was really excited or really scared. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know what the hell the guy's doing. Like when you drive, when you crash off the track and literally he drove right into the bathroom. Luckily, nobody must have been in there. Sounds like nobody got hurt. Car was destroyed. Bathroom was destroyed. In my entire life, I have never, ever, ever seen a race car crash into a bathroom. I mean, that was a that was a fan experience type deal or whatever, but pr pretty crazy. So, with that said, you know that's how we got a lot of. And that, I guess that's how we started it with mayhem and crashing, and we ended it with mayhem and crashing <laughs> and everything in between. But a lot of racing to look forward to this week. And uh, it turns out I'm going to be kind of laid up here for a week or so, kind of, so I'll be able to catch the action uh, online. <coughs> online. So I'll be watching that. But uh, any closing thoughts there, Bert? 
No, I mean, it's hard to believe that uh, it, we're in the middle of November and it's going to be Turkey Day next week already. And uh, so it's moving quite, I mean, heck, the new season's going to start in a new in a few weeks. <laughs> it is, it is. And I'm really hoping that I can be free and clear so I can get back home to enjoy Turkey Day. Um, I don't want to be stuck in a hotel quarantining here because uh, this, this is overrated. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it. So <laughs> with, with that said, uh, Ryan Aho, Bert Lehman, we're the one to go show. Thanks for tuning in. And like Puka always says, go out there and be your dream. We'll see you guys next week.